Today on Ag News Daily. I think there was widespread damage across the state, but you've really seen it in that southwest corner. I'm hearing 100% loss pretty much. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here on this Wednesday, October 17th. I am joined by co-host, co-pilot, Delaney Howell. Delaney, how you doing? Good. How about you, Mike? You know, not too bad at all. The sun is out. It is relatively warm. I can't complain a whole lot. And you're in St. Louis today? Yeah, I had the chance to work with some uh, soybean, uh, well, the American Soybean Association. They had their... Uh, Meeting for state staff, so came down here, had a good conversation with our pal Michael Dolch, who was recently yes. named the state policy director for Iowa. So uh, we'll play that at some point. That'll be good. Yes, it will. Delaney, how about you? How's your day? I'm fighting the cold again, Mike. Oh, boy. Yeah. Other than that, good. Oh, I got to be on um, Damian Mason's podcast today. He hosts The Future of Agriculture, so I think that drops today so you guys can check that out yeah very cool damien's a good dude yeah so that was fun we talked about trade and blah 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 you know all sorts of fun stuff yeah that sounds uh, engaging all that blah 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 (laughs) that's how you get listeners right there oh well we talked about a lot of good stuff how about that well good i'm glad to hear it you know speaking of a lot delaney do you know what a lot is um like a quantifiable number is yeah, that what you're asking me for like a number i would say more than five yes like twenty thousand. yeah yes well african swine fever has hit a twenty thousand head hog herd in china this is the first is large this the first scale we talked about this it is oh, i believe shoot. it broke yesterday yeah. right as we recorded i meant to bring it up yesterday and i totally mm. forgot Yes, well, I I didn't either. So it uh, it broke the first time a major hog herd has been hit. Uh, yes. There were several other smaller ones that also were announced yesterday. Uh, one a hog herd of fifteen hundred pigs, one two hundred seventy. But it's the big one that has people yeah. nervous. And we were just talking about this. Let's see, on like Monday, I think of, or maybe it was last week. We talked about it one day recently talking about you know okay so far it's only been like those smaller rural herds this is like a real commercial herd this 20,000 head herd yeah yeah no this is a fairly modern operation yeah so this is like one maybe now we should be a little more nervous about yeah you'd think uh but you know it's still a whole ocean away it is yeah so we'll just have to Continue to keep an eye on it. Yep. And hopefully they are working on a vaccine because, you know, bizarre, Delaney, at least as of midday, the hog markets were down. I mean, I know I trade that, yeah. hasn't been too worried about it, though. We'll see right. where they close today. We will see that indeed. Um, we do have some news about trade. As you look across the borders, the Trump administration has formally notified Congress through letters, um, I believe just yesterday, that they plan to formally negotiate trade agreements with Japan, the EU, and the UK. So the White House has to give basically a 30-day warning before it can begin these new free trade agreement talks. And so we will see those kick off here before the end of the end of the calendar year. Yeah, good news. That's a big step in the right direction. Yep, it absolutely is. You know what isn't a big step in the right direction for Brazil, Delaney? What's that, Mike? Michel Temer, president oh, no. of Brazil, is, uh, well, he's been charged with graft. And what is that? 
Graft. Uh, graft is like skimming. Oh. Taking bribes. Yeah, okay. Well, it's generally yeah. scuzzy behavior. Right, okay. Uh, basically, he took a bunch of bribes in return for, allegedly took a uh-huh. bunch of bribes uh-huh. in return for uh, <laughs> basically helping his buddies get favorable contracts at the Port of Santos. And so because he is currently president, he cannot be indicted. He cannot be arrested and he is safe. However, the Brazilian Supreme Court can rescind that uh, special privilege and therefore he would be officially charged and probably up in jail. Yeah, that'd probably be a good place for him if he's, uh, you know, skimming money and stuff. Allegedly. And remember, Allegedly. we have Michel Tamer because he was vice president when Dilma Rousseff was uh, mm-hmm. impeached for yeah. graft. Hmm. Yeah. So okay. more more troubles in Brazil, despite their uh, their shipping tons of soybeans to China. Mm-hmm. Their political atmosphere is still uh, less than ideal. It is less than ideal. You know what else is less than ideal, Mike? What's that? Um, the Senate has said they are not going to be able to vote to approve the new NAFTA 2.0 trade pact before the end of 2018. So um, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell told Bloomberg just yesterday that they're not going to have time to take this up before the end of the year. And, quote, that will be a next year issue because the process we have to go through doesn't allow that to come up before the end of this year. Yeah. And, you know, I heard this and and I think it's, you know, it's not great. We'd love Mm -hmm. to have the USMCA signed, you know, ASAP and get it down to uh, President Nieto there in Mexico before he leaves. But at the end of the day, whatever happens in D.C. with the election, I got to imagine everybody's on board with getting this thing passed. Yeah. But so the thing I don't understand is it's on it's on track to be signed November 30th. Okay. Um. So, but to comply with U.S. fast track rules, Congress must get a report from the U.S. International Trade Commission on the economic impacts of the trade deal. And I guess they can't do that in time. So on Friday, the ITC officially launched an investigation to figure out these economic impacts and will hold a hearing November 15th. But... Then they're accepting written comments until December 20th, so that doesn't really follow the timeline of November 30th to get signed. It's DC math. I know. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. No, no, it doesn't, Delaney. But you know who else might not be making a whole lot of sense today? Who? Canadians. Why? Because Canada became the first industrialized nation to legalize the sale of recreational cannabis today. Oh, like, I thought it was already legalized there, actually. No, they passed the bill. Today was the first day it went into effect. Like, you could actually go out and buy yourself some weed. But what they're finding is that there isn't enough legal supply and there aren't enough legal stores. So most people Mm. who are smoking pot in Canada today are smoking illegal pot, even though it's legal. (laughs) That sounds funny. (laughs) Illegal pot? Okay. But our friends to the north now have a new cash crop. They do. I really am interested to see, like, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon, but over the next like 10 or 15, 20 years, if that becomes like a traded commodity. Yeah. You know, we had a great discussion with Ted Seifert about that. And uh, his thought was, you know, there's probably too many discrepancies Mm -hmm. in the different strains. Oh. But industrial hemp certainly could become because that's all uniform. Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. We always learn something when we talk to our good buddy Ted Seifert. <laughs> yeah, we do, absolutely. Let's see. Well, I have another piece of news here. Um, when we look at, we're, we're going to be at the World Food Prize tomorrow. I've got a report here from the Global Harvest Initiative. They do an annual report looking at the productivity of agriculture in developing and developed countries. According to their latest report, productivity is currently growing at 1.51%, which is okay. compared to the 1.75% of annual growth that's needed to meet the growing food demands of nearly 10 billion people by 2050. So we're behind the current growing rate. Um, where the so rate our, is, our production of food is isn't rising growing. as fast as the demand. Correct. Gotcha. By quite a little bit. I mean, 0.25 of a percent. Well, that should be bullish for prices. It should be. Eventually. Hopefully. Yeah. You know what it's not, Delaney? What? Currently bullish for dairy prices. No. Global dairy prices fell for the fifth time in a row at the uh, global auction today, actually this morning, um, basically because we continue to see too darn much fluid milk. Sorry. Basically because we continue to see too darn much fluid milk floating around the world. Yeah. That we do, Mike. Yeah. I don't really know. So fluid milk would be like milk you get in a milk gallon, right? A jug yep. of milk? Okay. Yep. Actual literal liquid yeah. milk. Yep. Basically what they're saying is we've seen the strong recovery in New Zealand milk production and Europe and the United States and uh -huh. Latin America. And even though we have incredible demand coming from Asia, we've oversupplied that demand in the dairy industry. Okay. I have a question that I don't mm -hmm. think you're going to know the answer to, but listeners, if you know the answer and know somebody that would know the answer, please reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter. So we're talking about fluid milk and you know, we're always talking about, Oh, drink more milk, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like we're really going to make a difference in milk prices, which in reality we probably won't. If but 300 million people buy another gallon. That's okay. A heck but of milk. what happens to the milk that just expires on store shelves and then they throw it away? How does that impact the dairy market. Do people like, I mean, do you get paid for that? I mean, so as what a producer, you're already getting paid for your milk. Mm -hmm. They're taking your milk. Yep. But then the retailer isn't getting paid for it. I know, but does that affect dairy prices at all? No. I mean, it, because in theory, I guess, it's I guess bullish because we're still using milk, whether people drink it or they throw it out. It, well, it right. doesn't matter. That's my point is like, why would it make a difference if 3 million people went out and bought milk or 3 million gallons of milk just expired? Oh, I see what you're saying. That's a really good question. Listeners, chime in. It's a really good question. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought of that. Yeah, well, we need the people to buy the milk so the retailers can continue to buy the milk. Okay. If, I, yeah. if all the milk just expires, then the retailers are going to go, well, clearly nobody wants milk. Oh, that's true. That's true. Mm, good I point. think. I, yeah, I don't know. It's a, delicate, it's a delicate dance, Delaney, in the markets. That's what it is. It's like the Nutcracker Ballet. Okay. Thank you for that analogy. Yes, yes. Well, I am all out of news. Actually, no, I have one more piece. Vice President Pence went down to Georgia today to the uh, Sunbelt Expo, an expo we have been meaning to get to, um, basically talking about uh, how President Trump is pledging his full support to recovery after Hurricane Michael. Well, that's a good segue into today's interview because we're going to be talking to Ashley Arrington about what she's seeing after those hurricanes have swept through. 
Fantastic. Well, before we get to Ashley Delaney, could you read the markets for us? I would love to, Mike. And today's markets, of course, are sponsored by our partners at the Zayner Group. You can reach out to them to help them create a strategy for your operation by giving them a call at 312-277-0050. Here's a look at where the market's closed for today. Seeing some red across the screens in the December corn contract down a penny and a quarter to end at 374, while the March down a penny and a quarter as well to end at 386 even. In the soybean pits, the front month contract seeing a little strength up half a cent at 885 and a quarter, while the January down half a cent at 898 and three quarters. In the wheat pits, the December contract cut six and three quarters cents today to end at 516 and three quarters, while the March cut six and three quarters cents to end at 536 and three quarters. Hopping over into the livestock pits, the October live cattle contract up 27 and a half cents at 112.92 and a half, while the December contract down 40 cents to close at 117.73 and a half. In the feeder pits, continuing to see some mixed markets with the October contract up five cents to end at 154.07 and a half and the November contract down 87 and a half cents to end at 153.35. And the lean hog markets apparently not sparked by the news of the African swine fever outbreak in China. The December contract down two dollars and 17 and a half cents to end at 54.70 while the February down a dollar 67 and a half to end at 62.57 and a half and rounding out the day with the dairy class 3 milk futures the October contract down a penny to end at 15.61 while the November down 12 cents to end at 15.63 now with that let's turn it over here to our friend Ashley Arrington to hear how the hurricanes have been affecting growers in the southeastern part of the United States as promised, we are talking to Ashley Arrington from Georgia and owner of Agra Authority Marketing. Ashley, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Oh, of course. I'm glad to be here. All right, Ashley, bring it down for us. What are you hearing from producers as far as Hurricane Michael and now Hurricane Florence effects? Well, Hurricane Michael was extremely devastating, especially to the southwest corner of Georgia. I think there was widespread damage across the state, but you've really seen it in that southwest corner. I'm hearing 100% loss pretty much on all of those farms there. Um, Everything I hear, every pivot there were heavily irrigated. The the region it hit was pretty much a 90% irrigated part of the state, and almost every pivot is on the ground. Every peanut warehouse, metal building, you name it, it's completely demolished it's really sad just a complete loss they were picking one of the best crops they've had in the past five to ten years to having absolutely nothing left to pick at all you mentioned peanuts and i assume cotton is um is that also a hundred percent down in some of those areas hundred oh, yeah, percent loss. that's what i meant i should have been more specific oh no that's but, okay yeah, it's the cotton um the peanuts were mostly harvested again okay. the peanuts had gotten harvested but then they got put into warehouses and some of those warehouses got damaged from what i understand and a lot of the peanut elevators were damaged as well so the cotton though is pretty much a hundred percent loss in the southwest corner um if you go on up to where i am i'm located in the east central part of the state and we're seeing anywhere from 30 to 60 percent loss here just according to where the field is located and whether it was defoliated or not so georgia was pushing about a 2.9 million bale crop um via the last couple usda reports and now i wouldn't be surprised to see a million and a half bales cut the crop in half almost wow 
That is crazy. So the southwest corner, Ashley, put it in perspective for me. Is that one of the larger producing corners for or, uh, for cotton, or is that you know like a relatively small area that produces cotton? How much of an impact will that put on Georgia's cotton crop? That is a very heavy area for cotton as well as peanut production in that corner. Um, the area I'm in, I'm in East Central again, um, and we're ag heavy, but the most ag heavy part of the entire state is the southern part of the state. When you're getting closer to the Florida line, right along there, that's our big belt for the peanuts and as well as cotton. So it was extremely devastating for for them. We had a late plant in my area. So our cotton was good, um, good to average, maybe mm -hmm. somewhere a bit above average, but not near as good as down there. They had rain at the perfect time and it was just an awesome crop. So the biggest area that had the the biggest area of cotton that had the best cotton crops on the biggest loss. So it's, it was detrimental. Ashley, what happens next for cotton prices? Obviously, Georgia is ranked second in the United States for cotton production. Texas is a big one right now. Do we see a price increase for cotton or do we not because of all the trade issues going on? Oh, my gosh. It has been so crazy because what I was looking at earlier in the year before storms were even a thought. I was thinking about hurricane season, but we didn't even have any yet. What I was talking about was last year, Georgia's crop was less than a quarter percent the size of Texas's crop, 24%. This year, with Texas's loss and the bumper crop we had before Michael hit, we are almost half the size wow. of Texas. So Georgia was carrying a lot more weight. We're actually at 45% before Michael hit. So yeah, Georgia cotton has never been not important of course, but it was a lot more important this year because of our size in relation to Texas with the heavy losses they had already seen. So, But despite that, we're still not seeing a bump in the market. We're actually showing red most mm -hmm. of the days ever since this happened, and that's heavily hinged on trade because I think the sentiment in the market that we have right now is who cares if we have less cotton if nobody's going to buy it. Do you expect that to continue being the trend is who cares because nobody's going to buy it? I hope not. I mean, I hope we have some type of deal with China. I mean, there are other buyers in the market other than China, but you have China with the issues, and you also have what's going on with Turkey. They're a big buyer of our cotton. Vietnam's still a buyer, but, you know, with the way the market's looking at it right now, it's just so heavily it's just so heavily hinged on trade right now because any if this had not if trade was not an issue I think cotton would be over a dollar right now easy mm -hmm. if we didn't have any trade issues none of the trade war rhetoric had ever come out never had any of that because we were pushing 95 cent and we were pretty resilient even when trade talk started so had we not got to the point where we are in our you know poor negotiations or negative negotiations with China with what just happened to Georgia I think we'd be over a dollar right now. Geez, over a dollar. And what, Ashley, we're sitting around 80 cents right now? 76 right now, okay. yeah. And you expect it to sit probably at those levels for a while? I don't see anything that's going to spark a lot of movement. I mean, the November USDA report should reflect some of the loss that we've seen here. I mean, it could easily cut the million bales out, but I think it may take a little bit longer to get all the damage actually assessed for the state mm -hmm. as a whole, but we definitely should see some type of downtrend um, in the amount of um, production for the United States as a whole just because of Georgia. 
because, I mean, crop conditions are already reflecting it, the ones that came out earlier this week. Yep. But I don't know if that's – but what you don't know is how much of that's already priced into the market. I mean, we know how detrimental this was. It's been all over the news, and the market's not really reacting. So how reactive are they going to be to the report that says, yeah, we did lose a million bales? So I would say the next, you know, chance that maybe a bump up would be the November USDA report once we see those mm-hmm. bales erased from the balance sheet. But I can't say that that will even move us up either. Yeah. Let's talk about crop conditions for a second. You mentioned earlier this week USDA released those condition numbers. Actually, break it down for us. Where are those sitting at right now at this point in time? Well, what we have in this, well, USDA, you know, they have their set of numbers, but I'm just going to show you from the boots on the ground perspective of things. Yes. Um, First is where I'm at now. We're probably seeing a 20 to 30 percent loss um, just straight off, just looking at the field. That's just what we're guesstimating. Um, we were thinking it was worse at first. So it's getting a little better once the field's dried out and fluffed up a little bit. It's looking a little better. But most of the guys that I say that are picking right now, they're seeing anywhere from 20 to 30% starting out, and then they'll get to some bad areas of the field, and we'll get to about 40% loss across the whole field is what I've been hearing from people here. So, but in the south they don't even have anything to harvest i don't even know how you rate that mm-hmm. on crop conditions when there's nothing there and when you say when you say that they're at a 20 to 30 percent loss are you talking about just 20 to 30 percent of acres are wiped out completely no what i mean is um they were the people who were picking beforehand a lot of them are telling me you know i was picking just just to have an even number i was picking a thousand pounds an acre okay and they'll say you know i'm 20 percent off that now starting out and then they'll make text me later and say hey i got into a bad area i've lost almost half of it's gone Jeez. in this area so it varies but across them all we were seeing we're expecting somewhere anywhere from 30 to 60 percent in our area is what we're thinking i've heard some people say oh i think it may be 20 but i have some people saying over half is gone Jeez. the cotton that wasn't sprayed or defoliated yet seemed to fare a little bit better than the acres that had been sprayed mm-hmm Dang, Ashley, that's that's crazy to think. So are producers able to get back into the fields now? Have they been able to get back into the fields? Oh, yeah, we have pickers rolling today. Okay. Um, so they're back in the fields here, but in South Georgia they're not. Um, it's just as you come up, the conditions get better. So if you start at the Florida, the Florida-Georgia line mm-hmm. and start moving upwards, conditions get better as you go up. Um, it's just the, the bottom is just. It's just terrible. I, I just feel so bad for them because there's, it was the best crop ever that some of them had ever seen since they had started farming. And it's just, they literally tell me that it was, we were picking here. We come back the next day and it looked like the rest of the field was picked. And Michael picked it. They didn't pick it. Like you can't even tell what they picked versus what happened after the storm. That's how bare the fields are down there. Yeah, I can't. I cannot even imagine what those producers are going through. Actually, do a lot of producers in that part of the country use crop insurance or subsidies or some sort of protection? Yeah, a good many of them do, and some of them may not buy as big a policies since they're since they're so heavily irrigated. Some of them think that allows them a larger level of protection or mitigates a good bit of their risk since they're one of the biggest risk that we have in Georgia is for it to rain because we can get very dry and very hot here. So the people who have irrigation may not have as big a policy. So you may see a bigger payout on the dry land acres than you will see on the irrigated acres. 
Okay, that makes sense. So cotton set aside, when you look at peanuts, pecans, some of the other commodities grown in your in your uh, land there, how are those crops doing? Were they hit or impacted as much as the cotton crop this year? I would say peanuts probably fared the best because a good many of those were out the field yep, already. Right. Um, what was less there um, in that area in South Georgia where it was so bad, I mean, those are gone. But in our area, and as you start to move more north from the disaster zone, per se, um, those weren't nearly affected. They're a little bit more resilient than the cotton. Um, pecans, that's terrible. Um, a lot of them, it takes a good bit of time to grow a tree. You know, it's not like a plant. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm hearing there was destruction of orchards. It wasn't just the pecans flying out the tree. It was the whole tree was knocked over. So you're going to have to see some replacements of entire orchards. So it wasn't just the crop this year that was lost for a lot of pecan producers. It's crops for years to come for a lot of the pecan producers. And Ashley, I, this might sound a little ignorant, but I don't know, for pecan producers or pecan producers, however you want to say it, do they have any sort of protection outside? Do they have crop insurance or subsidy money or anything that they can apply for? Oh, yeah. There's um, crop insurance for okay. pecans, um, and it, it's based on production. I mean, of course, there is some differences between row crop and the orchard um, insurance, but, yeah, they would have that. And I think a lot of them probably have it on the actual tree. So they probably get will get one so some sort of payout for the actual destruction of the trees on top of the destruction of the crop itself with the pecans being lost for the crop this year. But, I mean, it's not, I don't think it would be enough to offset the cost of replacing and having to wait for, you know, it to be productive again. So they, they took a pretty big hit. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like it. Ashley, one kind of final question for you here. Um, we we follow a lot in the news about Congress putting together disaster relief packages. If they put together a disaster relief package for Hurricane Michael and Hurricane Florence, how does that work for growers? What's the boots on the ground perspective of those relief packages? Do they work? Do producers actually get money back? I have no idea what what they're even thinking or what could work or not work right now. You know, the six cent that was supposed to be for cotton for the tariff relief or what have you, whatever Uh you want to call it. I don't know if we'll get it or not. That's back and forth. But, you know, from what I understand, a lot of that was even based on production. So it was based on half of production of what you would get paid for. But what about the people who got got taken down to zero production? So we don't know about that, and we don't know what's going forward. I know Trump and um, some – Trump and Melania were down in South Georgia and Florida. Mike Pence was down today, and the governor, Nathan Deal, and a lot of the um, candidates that are running for governor this year were in South Georgia. They have all been visiting within the past week. So hopefully they're going to see firsthand what's happening and can, you know, put some perspective on it. So hopefully we can get something that's useful, helpful, beneficial for all those because they have lost so much. Jeez, yeah, I didn't even think about the market facilitation program, Ashley. Yeah, that's what it's called. I was like, yeah. you know, the tariff thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I <couldn laughs> no, think I think everybody. Long, yeah. 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 So, so half your production gets wiped out right. and then you only get paid on half of that. It's not that much. And no. if 100% of your production is gone, how do you prove what it was before you even picked mm. it? You know, it's, it's yeah. the cotton. So, yeah. It's, so it's really, how does that work? Yeah. It's kind of a wait and so, see at this game. At, uh, wait and see game at this point, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ashley Arrington, thanks so much for sharing with us the boots on the ground perspective from the hurricane's impacts. 
Of course. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Well, that does it for another Ag News Daily podcast. Thanks again to Ashley Arrington. Just devastating to hear what those producers are going through. I can't believe some of them have hit 100% loss. And Ashley raised a great point there at the end. I mean, what do you do for the market facilitation program for folks who want to sign up or deserve to sign up but now can't because they've lost 100% of their production. And of course, that is based on 50% of your production was the payout, bad stuff going on there. So keep them in your thoughts and prayers. With that, I encourage you to check us out on social media. We're on Facebook and on Twitter. You can find us at Ag News Daily. You can also listen to any of our previous episodes on any place you get podcasts or head to our website, agnewsdaily.com. With that, I'm going to let everyone go. Have a great rest of your day. 